Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get an update on Manitoba's wheat and barley crops. Also, we'll check in with a pair of local farmers and find out how the season is coming along. Up first in today's country comment, David Weens with Dairy Farmers of Canada stops by to talk about the new NAFTA deal. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us today is David Weens, Vice President of Dairy Farmers of Canada, to talk about the new NAFTA deal which came into effect on July 1st. So there's a number of, of ways in which uh, the Kuzma deal is going to uh, negatively impact the dairy industry in Canada. And of course, one of them is that there's uh, uh, the Canadian government uh, gave 3.9% market access, uh, our our, our domestic market access to the U.S., and so that'll be uh, filled by American dairy products. So that's a significant loss for the industry, and uh, according to our calculations, that'll be a loss of revenue of about $330 million. And uh, But that's that's only a part of it. So market access uh, was one thing, uh, but they also then also uh, uh, gave the U.S. oversight uh, which uh, the clause in the agreement gives the U.S. the ability to intervene in any kind of in, in administrative changes that we would make to our domestic uh, system. And obviously the U.S. will be uh, interested in that uh, to ensure that, um, that you know, they are aware of everything that we do and, and ultimately um, they would have a, a say as to whether uh, these things could be enacted or not. And then, of course, what is different from all of the trade agreements here is that uh, in this uh, trade agreement, the Canadian government also um, uh, conceded that uh, that basically they would put an export cap uh, through a levy on our exports on, on Canadian dairy products, uh, particularly on the milk protein side. So as soon as we exceed uh, the limits that are set, uh, there's a levy that's placed on Canadian exports, which then make us uh, unable to compete with with the U.S. and other global players. And that's exactly why the U.S. wanted it in there. They didn't want us to compete against them in in world markets in those areas. So that's uh, set a very, actually that one has set a very dangerous precedent uh, in in a trade agreement. Uh, Today it's dairy. Uh, Who knows what sector uh, is going to receive that kind of a treatment in another trade agreement where another country is actually going to ask the government to uh, to impose a levy so that uh, a, you know a Canadian uh, uh, export uh, sector uh, could not be competitive on world markets. So that's a very those are some very troubling uh, aspects to this agreement. That was David Weens, Vice President of Dairy Farmers of Canada. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. It's not the news beef producers wanted to hear. China has now temporarily suspended imports from Cargill's beef packing plant at High River. The facility is not alone. It was included on a list for temporary suspension with other meat packing operations around the world, including Brazil, Argentina, the Netherlands, and Tyson's Foods poultry operation in the U.S. An official from Cargill says they're still determining what it means and how they'll proceed. Daniel Sullivan says China is considered a small percentage of the Cargill operation and production capacity at the High River facility will not change. 
Manitoba farmers are concerned with the hot, humid conditions we've been experiencing over the past couple of weeks. Fred Gregg is chair of Manitoba Wheat and Barley Growers Association. I think we're going to be concerned about fusarium pressure for sure. You know, we certainly in Manitoba, we always try to grow the varieties that give us the best disease resistance. And, you know, we try to manage our rotations, but I think we're going to have to lean on some fungicides again to help protect the crop. After a cool start to the season, Greg figures the wheat crop is about 10 to 14 days behind normal. Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers is giving an update on this year's crops. Here's production specialist Cassandra Kochik. Soybeans currently range from V2 to flowering, with up to eight trifoliate leaves in the earliest crops. Skybeans currently range from V3 to the flower bud stage, with most crops having several trifoliates and approaching the bud stage. Peas range anywhere from 10th node to early pod, with most peas at full flower this week. And finally, fava beans are at full flower to the early pod stage. Kochik says they're seeing quite a bit of iron deficiency chlorosis across the province, mainly in soybeans in addition to dry beans. And G3 has announced the opening of its new Vancouver terminal. For the last several months, the facility has been taking in prairie grain by rail and loading it onto ships. The facility can receive up to three 150-car trains on its loop track. Its three large ship loaders move grain on board at up to 6,500 tons per hour, setting a new industry standard. G3 Terminal Vancouver has a storage capacity of 180,000 metric tons and receives and ships a variety of grains and oil seeds. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, July 8th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler will talk about diamondback moths. Up first, we'll get an update from a pair of Manitoba farmers. Today, we're checking in with a pair of Manitoba farmers. Golden West reporter Barry Lamb chatted with Deloraine area farmer Kevin Weidenhammer. Well, so uh, weather has been a bit of a, a battle, that's for sure. Um, was, uh, you know, certainly a slow start to the spring, that's for sure, but things are actually coming pretty good. Um, now it's like anything, a little bit of disease pressure. Uh, out our way, the grasshoppers are starting to show up a bit, so a guy's going to have to really keep an eye on them, but generally the crops are looking not too bad. How surprised are you with how things have emerged and jumped uh, in, in light of all the work you had to do to get it in this year? Well, there was a lot of guys used the term mudding it in, uh, but uh, yeah, the crop actually looks a lot better than what I thought. But those, you know, those little little showers that kept things moist on top uh, allowed for some pretty decent germination. And this week, what's keeping you busy? You, ta- you touched a bit on uh, hoppers and disease. Uh, how are things that way? Well, the disease, yeah, uh, it's getting into that fungicide time. So keeping an eye on uh, well, the wheat right now, uh, going out and spraying a bit of fungicide on it to hopefully keep the disease in check. How bad are the hoppers uh, at this point? Are not bad yet, or um, they're they're there, um, and there's there's areas within one or two miles where they're somewhat noticeable to quite quite noticeable. So um, probably that grasshopper thing will vary field to field. Uh, and when you say noticeable, you can see them, or it's noticeable damage that they've caused. Um, both. You can you can certainly see them. And you can see where they've done a little chewing already, and they are certainly getting a little bigger as the days go on. And how long ago since you've had hopper issues? Is that a yearly thing, or has it been a while? 
Um, it's like really bad. It's been like it's been quite a while since we've had uh, you know significant damage. But last year there was noticeable damage along the edges, um, in you know in a lot of areas out here. That was Kevin Weidenhammer, who farms near Deloraine, Manitoba. He was speaking with reporter Barry Lamb. I had a chance to chat with Larry Newman, who farms in the Emerson area. Uh, things are looking looking quite nice so far. Uh, a little a little stagey in a lot of a lot of crops. With uh, wheel tracks were a bit of an issue this year, but no, the cereals are, are looking nice. Uh, uh, just about uh, fungicide time any day, and the uh, canola. Uh, I would think would probably be for us uh, next week for fungicide timing. But uh, all in all, uh, everything's uh, looking pretty promising. How much rain have you guys been getting uh, in that area? And, you know, what's the uh, soil moisture like? Uh, Soil moisture is is, is, is real real good. uh, We had uh, just shy of four-tenths of an inch last night. Uh, the subsoil moisture is is good. I, I think that a little bit last night will just uh, just be enough to help things along. Just you know, go soak up that little bit on the surface. So moisture is uh, moisture is looking real good now. We're a little, you know, we were we were too wet a while back, but it's uh, the crop is using lots and it's uh, it's uh, looking nice. Talk a little bit about um, insect concerns. We have some small grasshoppers around the, some edges of the fields and, and I guess uh, I have some field bees here. Uh, uh, aphids will be will be a concern shortly I'm guessing but uh, but that for us yeah it's it's uh, so so far grasshoppers and, and, and the aphids. That was Larry Newman, a farmer near Emerson, Manitoba. Continuing on today's Prairie Eggwire, Glendalee Allen Vossler chats with Sarah Tetlin with Saskatchewan's Ministry of Agriculture about diamondback moths. Diamondback moths cause crop damage to uh, plants in the brassica family. So canola and mustard fields is particularly where you want to look for them. And the damage is caused by the larval stage of the diamondback moth. So these moths blow in from the southern states. So um, infestation levels aren't based on kind of what you saw last year for damage, but it's more based on how many of these moths overwintered in the states and the winds that blew them up, how strong those winds were. So in our province, we do do monitoring for diamondback moths, and we have seen some early uh, moth migration up towards Canada, and there have been high levels of diamondback moss in some areas this spring. So particularly in our pheromone traps in the Cadillac area and the Middle Lake area, there were some high amounts there. And we have seen some early seedling feeding caused by the larval stage of these insects. So it's important to uh, get out into the field and scout for feeding either in the seedling stage and also into the flowering and potting stage. This is actually typically where we see the most damage, but we have seen some early feeding, even in the seedling stage, especially in the central part of the province. So when we are out there scouting for diamondback moss, what are we looking for? When plants are in the seedling to cabbage stage, symptoms usually you'll see are small irregular holes in the leaves. 
So as soon as the larvae come out of the egg, they'll actually enter the leaf and start feeding and do like leaf mining symptoms. So you'll see leaf mining in the leaf. And then after a week, they'll come out of the plant and they'll start feeding on the leaf. So if, if there's numerous larvae, they can actually eat the whole leaf, leaving behind just the vein. Uh, but uh, usually you'll see kind of irregular holes or you'll see kind of a window painting symptom. So that's when they feed on the underside of the leaf, but not the top side of the leaf. And you can actually see through the leaf. And later in the season, larvae will feed on flower buds, flowers, seed pods, and even the seed. So you'll kind of see that uh, feeding on those plant parts. So the larvae that you'll want to scout for, they're kind of pale yellowish to green and they're covered in fine hairs and the posterior end of the caterpillar is forked. So they kind of have two prongs out the backside of them. And when you disturb them, they have a kind of distinct uh, reaction. So when you disturb the larvae, they actually wriggle backwards violently and then they fall off the plant and kind of hang by a thread. Think about applying insecticides if they do exceed the action threshold. So the action threshold for diamondback moths is when the, uh, when the moth is in the larval stage is when you'll want to apply the insecticide. I've been talking with Sarah Tetlin. Sarah is a crops extension specialist with Saskatchewan's Ministry of Agriculture. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. A farmer appreciation lunch takes place Tuesday, July 14th at Plum Cooley Burktaller Church parking lot. A drive through lunch will be served from 1130 until 1, featuring Danny's Whole Hog. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is now available online. Visit huntercourse.com to register. And the Roland 4-H Museum is now open for the summer. Hours are 1 to 4 p.m., Monday to Friday. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, we're joined by Fred Gregg, chair of the Manitoba Wheat and Barley Growers Association, who gives us an update on this year's crops. Up until the the crazy rain that, that some of the area got, I'm sure they're not too happy. Um, so you hate to generalize too much, but it uh, I would say they look you know better than average and uh, lots of the areas have their fingers crossed that we're gonna gonna have better than average yields and our heart should go out to those growers that had to you know deal with that eight and nine plus inches that's that's just hard on everybody um as far as acreage goes i think our barley acreage was up just a touch which was nice to see and i think wheat was going to be fairly flat um it'll be interesting to see maybe where our winter cereals are coming in this fall i know in our area here there was some some cropland that still didn't get planted that guys were extremely wet last year and we're having a harvest in the spring so i'm wondering maybe that might be some winter cereal with these hotter temperatures um you know is that having an impact on the crop oh yeah yeah when it gets too hot uh, humidity's gone up since it's rained so i think lots of guys were thinking they might not have to make uh, some fungicide passes but uh, i think everybody that crop is certainly there 
so I think you hear lots of planes and where it's too wet for ground rigs and you see some some ground rigs moving where it's dried up enough to, to protect the crop because yeah it certainly looks like it's it's there so it's worth protecting when it comes to uh, fusarium you know how are things looking there um, so far this is not great weather for for the for the crops yeah I think we're going to be concerned about fusarium. Uh, pressure for sure you know we certainly in manitoba we always try to grow the varieties that give us the best disease resistance and you know we try to manage our rotations but i think we're gonna going to have to lean on some fungicides again to help protect the crop is the crop uh, pretty much on track now or, or how are we as far as timing i think the cooler start uh has pushed it back that you know 10 days two weeks maybe where we would normally be uh, some areas maybe not quite as bad, but I think that's where we are. So yeah, we're uh, sometimes you kind of hope if we can get it in early, we can get ahead of that uh, flowering ahead of the fusarium window. But it does kind of look like we're going to hit it smack in the middle. So we're going to have to have to hope that the rain stays away so we can get the fungicide sprayed on. That was Fred Gregg, chair of the Manitoba Wheat and Barley Growers Association. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. In this week's crop report, Manitoba Agriculture says saturated soils and waterlogged fields are common in the southwest region from Brandon northward. Fusarium risk maps indicate extreme risk for FHB development in cereals across much of the province. Hay and forage yields have been below normal to date. While rains are expected to improve hay and pasture regrowth for a second cut in most of the province, widespread spraying for grasshoppers is ongoing. Armyworms are noted in fall rye, spring cereals, and perennial ryegrass. Insecticide applications are ongoing. The chair of Manitoba Wheat and Barley Grower says this year's crops remain behind schedule. Fred Gregg. I think the cooler start has pushed it back that, you know, 10 days, two weeks maybe where we would normally be. Uh, some areas maybe not quite as bad, but I think that's where we are. So yeah, we're uh, sometimes you kind of hope if we can get it in early, we can get ahead of that uh, flowering ahead of the fusarium window. But it does kind of look like we're going to hit it smack in the middle. So we're going to have to hope that the rain stays away so we can get the fungicide sprayed on. Greg figures that barley acreage in Manitoba was up a touch while wheat acres remained fairly flat. Manitoba's soybean crop has started to flower. Cassandra Kochik is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. She talked about one of the issues they're dealing with. We're seeing quite a bit of iron deficiency chlorosis, or IDC, across the province, mainly in soybeans and a little bit in dry beans. This condition shows up as intervenal chlorosis and is directly related to the water and salinity in your field. If plants recover by V5 to V6, yield loss should be minimal. And this is also a good opportunity to take note of your variety's tolerance to IDC for next year's decision-making. Kochik says wet conditions could also lead to root rot infection. And Canada's two largest railways say they moved record quantities of grain in the second quarter after benefiting from another strong month in June. CN Rail says it's on pace for record shipments of grain this crop year. The company also announced investments of over $105 million across Manitoba in 2020. CP Rail says it moved a record 8.41 million tons last quarter after shipping 2.76 million tons of grain and grain products in June. The railways have ramped up shipments of Western grain by using larger hopper cars. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program.
We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.